If you had 20 minutes with a counselor, what would you ask? I'm Anna Nash. And I'm Julie Sparkman, the counselor with Restore Ministries here in Birmingham, Alabama. You are listening to Head to Heart, a podcast to help you connect what you know with how you live. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Hi, this is Anna Nash, and we are glad that you're here to join us for our fifth episode of the Head to Heart podcast. We're going to veer in a little bit different direction today, as recently Julie has done a um, really impactful talk locally on um, believing the gospel in the context of marriage. And so it was our desire to bring this to you today on our podcast. Um, It's about 20-minute long teaching And I sure hope that you will benefit from it as much as I have. So thank you all so much for joining us today. And please share this. As now you see, we are officially in the iTunes podcast store. Um, And so it's a lot easier to subscribe and kind of be updated um, when we post something new. So thanks for joining us today. And if you have any questions that you would like us to discuss on the podcast, don't forget you can send them to us at info at restore-ministries.org. I feel like I need to start with the disclaimer because I think that I'm supposed to speak on marriage, and I do um, a good bit of marriage counseling, but I need you to know um, that I do not have a passion for helping others improve their marriage. I also um, do not believe that the best way to help people improve their marriage is by learning new communication techniques or love languages or some such, um, which makes me generally really lonely at continuing education seminars. But here here is why I don't believe that, Uh, because um, I used to teach that. And when I was at a counselor because that's what counselors do they go to other counselors and he had just taught us you know those listening techniques those reflective listening techniques and you pass a pencil back and forth and back and forth Mm -hmm. and we had just had an argument in the parking lot which is what counselors love because you do half their work for you you bring all your stuff to the top and so we had just had an argument in the parking lot so we were good and hot and he was all excited about that and he said great we're going to practice the technique. Julie, you sit here. Wes, sit here. He gave me the pencil. He said, go. Tell him how it is that you're feeling. And then, of course, Wes was supposed to reflect that back to me. And um, actually, no, he went first, and then he handed the pencil back to me. And I turned to the counselor and said, I I want to do something else with this pencil. <laughs> this is not this is not working. I know what I'm supposed to do here, and I I don't want to do it. And um, in counseling, that's referred to as resistance. And he just kind of gave me one of those really patronizing counselor smiles and said, "Just go on ahead and do it." And can I tell you that um, it did not work? Because here's the thing: the the problem was that that he, my husband, was not doing what it was that I wanted him to do for me. And we had entered marriage um, with an understanding. Maybe you've heard this. I am to respect him, and he is to respect me. <clears throat> and on that day, he was not keeping his end of the contract. 
And amazingly, I don't understand how this works, but he also thought that I wasn't keeping my end of the contract. So there we were at the counselor's office, much of the time like clients come to me, and it is then supposedly the job of the counselor to teach both parties how to keep their end up of the bargain. So we can both get what it is that we believe that we need from the other. I needed love, he needed respect, and that is how we entered into the marital contract. That's the way that it was supposed to go. And it is also, I believe, with that same type of paradigm, the contract paradigm, that we read such scriptures as Ephesians 5.21, which has the title over it, Instructions for Christian Counselors. Counselors, that's household counselors combined. Counselors, instruction for Christian households. Ephesians 5:21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Further down, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Further down, verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. Now, if you read this as a contract on most days in your home, I want to ask you what I often ask my clients, and that is, how's that working for you? (laughs) Um, And their answer is, not too well, which is why we're here talking to you to teach us how to make that contract work, okay? Um, Because if we use the word as an instructional manual on what it is that we are supposed to do, we often end up just like that, very disillusioned. Because we believe that if we do A plus B, then we are going to get C. Which is why so often in my living room and also in my counseling room, I often hear the cry, that's not fair. I did my part, and she didn't keep her end of the bargain up, so why should I have to do it anymore? She broke the contract, I am no longer obligated. And in fact, if that's what you believe the scriptures say, then you'll indeed become very disillusioned because it I don't mean to offend you but it looks like you're old enough to know this a plus B does not always equal C and then what do you do because that's when you really learn why it is that you're doing what it is that you're doing That's how, when it doesn't work, that's how you really learn what it was that you were doing it for in the first place. Because we, unlike animals, animals run by instinct and instinct alone. Humans do not. Humans are goal-oriented. We were created for worship, and we worship whatever it is that we believe will ultimately bring us life, security, identity, and peace then the way we live our lives is then the best way that we have, it is the best picture that we have of what it is that we truly worship. 
Romans 12.1 puts it this way, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. But see, the problem with the scripture is this. If we don't know the love of God, then we will turn our lover into God. And if my husband doesn't know the love of God, he will use his position of power to dominate rather than to love me. Because you know what the truth is? On my best day, I do not deserve to be loved the way that the scripture tells him to love me. And on my husband's best day, he does not merit the respect that I am commanded to afford him. So then what? By the way, add into that, you as parents, you do not deserve to be obeyed by your children <laughs> as they are commanded to obey you. You do not merit it on your best day. You don't merit it. So why do it? Hebrews 8, 10 through 12. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. That's not fair. Thank God. The contract, you see, was abolished with the death of Christ. The death of Christ entered us into a new covenant. Covenant is not just a word. A covenant is a way of relating. I didn't earn mercy from God, but I got it anyway. And I keep getting it, though I don't earn it any more now than I did when I became a believer 30 plus years ago. As a matter of fact, I, like Paul, have in fact gone from being the least of the apostles, which was what he said he was at the beginning of his career. Now, the least of the apostles, that's not that bad of a rap. It's saying, like, I'm the worst of a good, pretty good crowd. <laughs> but towards the end of his life, do you remember how he referred to himself? The chief of all sinners. That was the end of his life. That's the way of the gospel. The closer we come to Christ, the more we need him, not the less, the more we need him. It seems, if you will, the less we improve. So you see, the scriptures are not meant to be taken out of context 
is some kind of an instructional manual to be used as an answer to all of your relational problems and to learn how to do the do, how to raise the kids, and how to have the good marriage, and how to be the good steward. No. The scriptures are primarily a story. A story of creation, the fall, rescue, and redemption. Over and over and over and over again. That's the story. In your role in that story is your response to what was done for you. Respect him. Love her. Not because they deserve it, but as a reflection of what you received and did not deserve. Because marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. If you do the covenant, will you have a happier marriage? Probably. But that is not a guarantee. I can say that because I have a full waiting list. (laughs) It's not the point, see. The point is this, that my marriage is an act of worship in response to the covenant that my God made with me. I don't give to get. I give because I already got. And now, here's the exciting thing. I'm free. I'm free. I can give regardless of the response of my spouse. My husband does not define me nor my actions. And I do not define him nor his actions. We are free. Free to what? Free to worship. Free to worship in the way that we relate. Day in, day out, to offer the covenant, the gospel. And what is the gospel? Merit bestowed that the other is not worthy of. That's the whole point. When I worship, I'm doing exactly what it was that I was created to do. Do you know how that feels? You know how it's been sometimes in your life when you do the right thing and it didn't, if you will, work out kind of the way that you wish that it had, but you knew that it was the right thing. How did you feel? This weird strength, this weird thing inside of you that says, This is my sweet spot. This is what I was made for. No, people and circumstances, they are not cooperating. But somehow there is an energy within me that says, yes, yes, I am congruent. My outside is congruent with my inside. Why? Because this is what I was meant to do. I was meant to worship my father. And when I do it, 
I am most fully alive. And that, as a counselor, as a woman, as a parent, as a wife, as a friend, that is what I have passion for. The other believers would come alive and be free to live our lives in sacrificial worship to our Father because we can't believe, we cannot believe the deal we got. So, if worship then is defined as coming alive, if worship is seen in how you relate, and do you know this is true? You didn't leave the worship service this morning. You're getting into the worship service when you get in your car and decide where you're going to lunch. You're worshiping all over again. Right there. So if we have now a different paradigm, if you will, I want to read the scripture again. I want to read the scripture again with you using the paradigm, not this is an instructional manual that will tell us what to do to get what it is that we want, which is happiness and marriage. No. This is a story of worship. You want to know? How to do that? Listen. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of water with the word. Then skipping down to verse 32, the mystery is <coughs> profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. Different? Weightier? Where is your focus right now? Here. Not here. Here. More primarily, here. Because truthfully, the best marriage counseling is done much more on a vertical level than it ever is on a horizontal level. Because the horizontal level, quite frankly, is water off a duck's back. Once the vertical level is addressed, if, however, the vertical level is not addressed, the horizontal level, quite frankly, this verse right here, if I am not the father's, this is suicide. 
and foolishness, which is exactly what the world has told us it is. And that makes every bit of sense to me. Because like I told you, you're really not worth this. And on your best day, you never will be. I do what I do because he did what he did, the Father. Therefore, no matter what the response is from my husband, I am free. Because no person and no circumstance can ever keep me from what it is that I was meant and created to do, which is to worship my God and to bring glory to him on this earth. When that is my goal, I am aligned with how I am designed. When I work in accordance to how I am designed, I operate with congruence, strength, freedom, and you can tell it. And the main place probably that you're going to see it is, in fact, in my relationships. Because as I relate with others in freedom, do you understand? Frankly, I am a force to contend with. And I do say to my children, and you should say to your children, I'm not worth what Jesus tells you to do. Never mistake it. How many times have you been called cruel, mean, (laughs) ignorant? And let me just tell you this. My kids aren't listening. A lot of the time, they are right. (laughs) So I go ahead and head it off at the pass and say, you might be right. You might be right. Because the point of that scripture, the point of that scripture is not to teach your children to obey what you told them to do. The point of that scripture is to teach your children that their father adores them. Their heavenly father adores them. And because their heavenly father adores them, he has given them the law. And because he loves them, he says, obey this lunatic that is your mother. (laughs) Don't try to measure up. What what were you thinking? Did your parents? But were you going to improve on that? (laughs) Did you really think that there was a marriage counselor that could tell you to be a good enough man? That you would ever merit a woman allowing you to lead her? I've got great news. You're never going to get it. Never. Thank God. And that's the mercy of the gospel. Enjoy it in a radical, weird way by the way that you relate to each other. And in doing so, you're staying away from the TTND syndrome. You probably don't know what that is because you are not a professional. (laughs) I coined the phrase. It's not to be found in the DSM. The TTND syndrome is the two ticks with no dog. And that 
is what I deal with day in, day out, in my home. Oh, in my office too. 